And if you can, uh, the little kids in the room, if you guys aren't already outside, little kids, you can leave with my best friend, Calvin, right here. Calvin, that is a really cool shirt. Do you remember where you got it from or did you forget? Well, that's okay. We're all kind of forgetful sheep, Calvin. Well, kids, if you can follow Calvin outside, you guys will be back just in time for communion. Uh, but welcome to Jacksonville Presbyterian Church. Uh, if this is your first Sunday, my name is Dustin, and I get to be a pastor here. Uh, we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4 today, and we're really going to be talking about the Ephraim Co-op this morning. Uh, so look with me real fast at 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to look verses 7 through 10 together. Uh, Christian, hear God's word to us in 1 Timothy. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Would you be seated? Keep that Bible open in front of you and let's pray as we dive in. Now, Father, we pray that we would develop new habits of grace. Now, Father, we pray that as we are in the midst of this storm and this land of affliction, now, Father, by your Holy Spirit at work within us, by your word and by prayer, Father, that we would bear fruit unto you. Father, we pray that this season would not just be a season of discouragement, but as a season of renewal by your spirit. Lord, we know you can do it, and we know that you hear the prayers of your people. And so, Father, would this land of affliction be a land that bears fruit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we uh, sort of gear up for a big fall, right? It's the last weekend in August. We're looking towards a fall, probably a stranger fall than any of us have ever lived through. Uh, I have a question that I'd love to ask you as your pastor. And it's, it's a pretty simple question, and it just goes like this. You know, what is your plan to follow Christ more this fall? What's your plan to follow Christ more closely this fall? Do you have a plan? Are you intentional about that? Uh, well, uh, you know, you may remember that a long time ago, back when I was younger, I used to live in the state of Florida. Uh, we got out as fast as we could, uh, but in Florida, uh, there are often, around this time of year, hurricanes, right? Anyone know what that is right there? Anyone want to guess which hurricane that is? It's not Katrina. That was actually just a few weeks ago. That was Hurricane Laura, you know, the, the, uh, not Laura Horton, who you need to email about youth lunch or dinners. This is uh, Hurricane Laura. And uh, it hit, uh, I guess, uh, South Texas just a few days ago. Uh, but I mean, if, you, if, you, if you've ever lived somewhere where there are hurricanes, right, you'll know that there's sort of, there's like three aspects of the hurricane that are really bad, right? Uh, when the hurricane comes through, there's sort of like the front end of the hurricane, which is usually the worst, uh, right? And that's not just the end of the hurricane, right? Because we know in the very center, there's a what? Yeah, there's an eye, right? And is the eye, like when you're in the eye, is everything really, really bad or is it actually kind of eerily calm? Anyone know? It's eerily calm, right? But then after the season of eerily calm, you know, after a couple of days, the back end of the hurricane comes and wipes out anything that was left standing. 
And I think that's just a really apt image uh, that God wove into creation uh, for us to learn from. I think if we were honest with ourselves, we would actually see what's going on in 2020 kind of like a hurricane, right? The last, you know, five or six months, whatever it's been, it's been sort of like this uh, hurricane that came out of nowhere and took out a lot of stuff and we're all sort of suffering. We're all in the land of affliction. But also, I mean, right now, a lot of us are doing okay, right? I mean, uh, we have sort of this weird season of calm. You know, the unemployment checks came through. You know, we feel the tension, but things haven't really caved in. The bottom hasn't fallen out. Uh, And I think if you could say, like, right now, we're hanging in there, uh, what I would suggest to you is uh, don't get lulled into the idea that it's over. Uh, I think if you think of a hurricane, right, we know that there may be a moment of reprieve, a moment of calm, but there's going to be harder things to come. And I I don't think we have to think too hard about what's going to happen later this year that's going to be really hard on our country. Right, so uh, if, you, if, you, if you can grasp that, let me ask that question again. If you're living in the eye of the hurricane right now, do you have a plan to become spiritually stronger before the back end of the storm comes? Or are you pretending like the back end of the storm isn't here? You know, 1 Timothy 4, uh, Paul tells young Timothy, he says, don't have anything to do with irreverent, silly, you know, uh, you know myths, Right? He says, instead, to be intentional about doing what? Training ourselves for godliness. Now, of course, we are saved by grace alone, right? Uh, We do not earn God's favor. We don't earn his approval. We don't even earn our standing. We've been adopted into his family, and God will never leave us or forsake us or send us back to the orphanage. Uh, We don't train ourselves in order to earn a place, right? But we do train And we become dutiful and obedient, as Ty Boster preached on last week, as a response to grace, right? And this is what Paul's talking about. Paul's not uh, preaching a message of salvation by training or by works. He's saying, in response to grace, this is the work of the Christian, to train ourselves in the habits of grace, to train ourselves to be godly. I mean, think about it this way, you know, like a, a good, dutiful husband uh, will take out the trash, not out of obligation, but because out of love for his wife, right? That's the ideal situation, right? It's not works, it's the response of love, but it involves doing something, right? It involves obedience. All right, so what's your plan? You know, if we're in this storm, if you, if you can grasp with me, right, that you and I are sort of in this eye of the storm, how are we going to handle the rest of this year, right? How are we going to handle the back end of the storm? And this has been weighing on me a whole lot, as it should, you know, Paul says, like, he lists all of his problems in one of his epistles, and he says, and on top of that, all of the anxiety that I feel for all of my churches, right? So I have a lot of anxiety, uh, jealous anxiety for you, because I want you and your family to survive the storm and to come out stronger for what we're facing, right? And more than anything, what our country needs and what your neighborhood needs and what the Rogue Valley needs and what Jacksonville needs is for Christians to actually sound and speak and forgive and love and speak the truth in love like Christians. (laughs) We need to not just attend church, we need to be the church right now. So how are we gonna do that? It's very hard because as your shepherd right now, uh, you know, a lot of our main tools to grow people spiritually have been uh, severely hindered (laughs) in the last six months, right? I mean, if you think about it, uh, the Christian life is primarily shaped by certain habitual practices, right? So the first one you could go to is corporate worship, right? Uh, With corporate worship, that just simply means the body of Christ gathering together. It doesn't mean like we're a corporate business. It means corporal, like your body. We come together as the body of Christ, right? So typically the way 
way you grow a Christian, right, is you come and you do not forsake the gathering of the saints, as Hebrews tells us to, right? So there's corporate worship. You hear God's word preached. You worship him in the gathering of the righteous. You take the sacraments. So that's the main way, right? Number one, you know, you gather together in God's people. Number two, ideally, we would have some kind of small group. Uh, it would be either a care group or maybe a community group or Loretta's Bible study or the men's Bible study, or you'd have some kind of group of Christians that know you a little bit differently, uh, maybe know you more closely and know how to pray for you. Uh, you know, God sets up his church not just to be a gathering, but it also to be people who break bread together with glad and generous hearts. That's how Acts 2 talks about the church. They, they're not just meeting as a church all the time. They actually meet in small groups. Right? So, you know, if you, if you wanted to grow a Christian, you would say, you know, hey, go to church. It doesn't save you, but it's important. And then as quickly as you can, find a small group of believers to walk life with you, uh, to do life together, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously described it, life together. And then sort of the third and final way, you know, the thor you know, sort of the third pillar, if you will, of Christian growth is private worship. You know, this is what some people call their devotional in the morning or family worship, right? But hopefully a Christian would be connecting with God daily They'd be coming to church on the Sabbath, and then, of course, they'd have a small group that's holding them accountable. So a beautiful image of Christian growth, right? You, get, uh, you, you are reminded that we are not just individuals, we're part of a family. You get accountability and encouragement in a small group, and you get daily manna in God's word. Uh, of course, well, what's the problem right now? Well, let's go to corporate worship right now. What's the problem? Well, the Barna Research Group uh, in July uh, released their latest findings. And of course, this is July, so it's a little dated, and I get that. But as of July 8th, uh, the Barna Research Group said that 48%, half of all church-going Christians, were neither attending church or watching online anymore. Okay, so about half, that's not Americans, that's church-going people. So about half of us are missing and not doing virtual church, right? All right, and then also what Barna found out is that the people who have given up coming to church and given up watching online, they actually report that they are bearing more emotional burdens right now. Now, Barna's careful not to, you know, say correlation and causation. They're not saying those things are causing them, but it does make you think, Right? Now, what does your gut tell you? If you give up the gathering of the saints, you don't hear God's word preached, uh, guess what? Those same people are reporting more concern and burdens. And what about those of us who, like you in the room right now, are coming to church or meeting outside or you're tuning in online right now? Well, I don't think I have to go very far to say that virtual church is pretty tough, right? It's very different. You know, I compare it to, uh, it's like ordering to go at Bella Union, bringing the pizza home, and then turning on a live stream of the back porch that's empty. <laughs> like, yeah, it's similar. And even if the camera's really high def, it looks like Bella Union. It's not the same thing, right? You, know, you are not a brain on a stick. Uh, you are not AI. You are a body and soul. And it's hard to divorce those two things from each other. You're not designed to do that. So virtual church is tough. Even the people that are in the room right now. I mean, who just loves having to wear a mask? <laughs> Nobody. So all that to say, if you go back to sort of corporate worship, what I want to suggest to you is that uh, either for many of us as Jacksonville Press, either corporate worship is completely gone, it's just gone, maybe up to half of us, we're, it's just out of our lives now. And then for those of you who I applaud and thank you and commend you for coming in person and listening online, it's certainly been severely hindered, right? It's very distracting. So if you think about it, it's not that it's gone away, but it's not feeding us the way that it normally has. 
Okay, let's go to small groups, right? So uh, many of you are in Bible studies that are meeting outside, but the majority of us are not actually gathering in small groups. So we're not launching new community groups this year, all right? Because it's just too hard to try to figure out how to coordinate 15 people's schedules and all the people that they're meeting. It's been very, very hard to figure out how to get people into small groups that they're comfortable with. Now, some people are meeting outside, which is amazing, and some of our Bible studies have really high attendance. But as your pastor, I'm also thinking about, what are we gonna do in October and November (laughs) when we can't meet outside? What then? And even for the people that are in community groups or Bible studies, I commend you and I'm proud of you. Uh, But as a pastor, I'm also concerned for everybody in our church. And I can think of many people who do not have a community group, who do not have a small group of people who love them and are walking with them through life. Uh, We've had five people profess faith in the last week at our church. Where are we gonna plug them into the life of our church? Uh, if, If Sunday morning is already hindered, where are the small groups gonna be? So it's not that small groups are gone and they're never coming back, but I think we have to recognize that, well, the tools on our tool belts, they're, they're not really working right now, right? So what does that leave? <laughs> if you don't like church right now and you don't have a small group right now, what in the world can you do of spiritual growth? How are you gonna use the eye of the storm to prepare for the back end? Well, like I said, I've been thinking about this a lot as your pastor and I've been very concerned about it. And uh, sort of, I think, I think the breakthrough that the Lord gave me was that I, I really, I can't fix the corporate worship problems. Uh, I can't fix the small group problems. But what we can do is we can work individually right now as God's people at JPC on our daily private worship, our devotional life. So let's talk about our private worship And then as I thought about this, I began to ask the question, is there any way that what we do as individuals, our daily quiet times, whatever you wanna call it, is there any way that somehow those morning times, evening times, Bible studies by yourself, is there any way that those could link to the other people in our church? For those people who can't gather because they're high risk or they're medical workers, how can we connect with those people when we really are hindered in our other two main ways. Are you feeling the, the tension? Well, that's why I'm really excited to talk to you this morning about the Ephraim Co-op. So what in the world is it? Well, it is our plan to help you develop a devotional life that is not just uh, by yourself, it's actually also linked to the body of Christ and your local church, JPC. So what is the Ephraim Co-op? Well, here's my, uh, first thing I need to do, I need to thank a guy. I need to thank Pastor Jim Holland at St. Patrick Prez uh, down in Memphis. He's a friend of mine and I'm stealing a lot from him. So big shout out to his brain that worked on all this and mentored me through this. Uh, But very simply, the Ephraim Co-op is a weekday, Monday through Friday only, a weekday publication created by JPC, by us, to guide our church family towards the upward call of everyday discipleship. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat that because that was a whole lot of words, right? It is a weekday publication created by our church to guide our church family towards the upward call of taking up our crosses daily and following him, the upward call of everyday discipleship. So here's how it's gonna work. Each weekday morning, Uh, You and I, we're going to receive a liturgy, an order of scripture passages, a song, and guided prayers that is going to aid you and me in our private worship. 
And it's also gonna be connecting us to our broader church because we're all gonna be reading the same passages and praying the same prayers together each morning. Uh, each one of us, even if we're not at church right now or in a small group right now, each one of us has the capacity to take the daily manna of God's word and prayer and connect with the Lord and do it together as a community of believers. Uh, this is gonna be a new discipline for some of you. Maybe it's been a, a practice you've already had. Uh, but really, habits uh, are incredibly important because they shape us. They are really like the sum of our character. Uh, and it's gonna connect us in some really formative ways. So, um, you know, while we were working on this, uh, we, we designed the Ephraim Co-op to work some really, in really specific ways. One of the things we're gonna do is it's only gonna be weekdays, right? It's Monday through Friday only because we wanna help you catch a better rhythm of life right now. You know, anyone ever felt like, uh, I don't even know what day it is, you know, because I'm not going into work. Like I've lost the total rhythm of life, right? I mean, think about how bad that is for your soul to feel unanchored to anything uh, rhythmically. I mean, think about how God designed you. He designed you to sleep for a third of your life. He has designed us to have a pattern of life, of working and resting. And he's built it in every single day of our life. And when we lose our rhythm, I mean, I mean think about the, the disharmonies that's gonna create if we lose the rhythm. So what we've designed in this is it's gonna be a weekday only, Monday through Friday, uh, devotional, right? Uh, Saturdays are for rest. I hope you, you make your Saturdays a restful day and I hope you use Sundays for worship and fellowship, right? But Monday through Friday, the next, you know, the work day, you know, that's when we can be the church scattered throughout the valley, eating the daily manna that we receive in the Ephraim Co-op, you know, fresh every morning, right? Fresh manna. And of course, like, I know that starting a new habit is like very intimidating and very daunting. And maybe you don't like the word discipline or the idea of discipline, but really what we're talking about is getting you into a daily practice of reading God's word and praying intentionally. And I know reading the Bible is really intimidating for a lot of people, you know, like you start reading Isaiah and you're like, what in the world? What is happening? Who is he talking to, right? It's very intimidating. Uh, but and I, what I want you to understand though, and what you'll learn as we do this, is that um, I don't want you to think of the Bible as a, as a giant pool, right, that you're supposed to drink. What I want you to see the Bible is, is it is a pool in which you and I are meant to immerse ourselves into in a hot day, right? Think about a pool. Anyone have a pool in their backyard? Anyone have a pool? I will come and swim in your pool if you tell me, so be careful. Right, on a hot day, right, I mean, you know, we are in a land of affliction right now. We are toiling and striving, as Paul says, right? Things are hard right now. And, you know, picture in your mind a scorching hot day, right? The Bible is the oasis. God's word is the pool that you need to immerse yourselves into. I mean, how do you learn a language? You immerse yourself into it. How do you learn anything? You just get immersed in it. Right? God's word is something to dive into. Um, I think too many of us come with a cup in hand and we're like, all right, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna drink every ounce of it. You know? Don't think of the Bible as something sort of to drink and guzzle down. Think of it as an immersion experience. Think how much easier it is to invite somebody into a pool rather than to help you drink the pool, right? Now, of course, I believe in the inerrancy and the importance of God's word. And so we are gonna design and we have designed the Ephraim Co-op to get you through the Bible. Um, it's really beautiful the way it works out because if you read five chapters a week, you know, Monday through Friday, if you read five New Testament chapters a day for 52 weeks, how many chapters would you read? 
Someone's good at math, and I know they can do it. You can show off. We will be impressed. Five chapters a day for 52 weeks is 260. How many chapters are there in the New Testament? Context, guys. How many chapters are there? 260. Right? So if you just read a New Testament chapter a day, and you read a psalm a day, and maybe we'll break up some of the psalms because they're kind of long, you, you and I will actually get through the New Testament within a year. It's going to take us actually three years to get through the Old Testament, but you know, when it comes to reading the Bible, I, I am a big fan of thinking of it as a long obedience in the same direction uh, rather than sort of a sprint race. You know, it's a famous uh, Eugene Peterson concept, right? You and I, we are on a long obedience in the same direction. All right, the goal, um, although we've designed it to get you through God's word in its entirety because every word of God is precious, the goal is not to get you through the word as fast as possible. The goal is to help you develop a new habit, a new daily habit of meeting God in your everyday life, linking up with your church, your fellow believers who are also scattered throughout this valley right now, all working in the land of affliction and just trying to bear fruit. Okay, so why is it called the Ephraim Co-op? Why is it called the Ephraim? What a strange name. Well, uh, we, we named it the Ephraim Co-op because I gotta give a shout out to Jerry Weaver. He's the one who pointed this verse out to me recently. Uh, in the book of Genesis, we learn about a young man named Joseph. Remember the guy with the Technicolor dream coat, that guy? Joseph, if you remember the story, he's betrayed by his brothers, right? He's sold into slavery in Egypt. He ends up being falsely accused and he ends up in prison, right? Uh, but despite all of his affliction, all his affliction, God delivers Joseph. He delivers him. And he actually allows Joseph to have a family. He gives him a wife and two sons. And when his son is born, he names one of them Ephraim. Because the word Ephraim sounds like the Hebrew word for bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. And Joseph, after his land of affliction, he says, God has allowed me to bear fruit in the land of my affliction. So the name Ephraim has pretty profound meaning. It means bearing fruit in the land of my affliction. And um, if you consider it, if you just consider it for a moment, I think that really explains and puts a name on what each one of us is experiencing right now. I mean, grandparents are unable to see their grandkids. Uh, teachers are being asked to do something uh, virtually impossible and, and constantly changing. Anyone get that pun? The teachers got it, right? Medical workers are under extreme duress. Employees have lost their job and they feel humiliated. Parents are stressed out about virtual school and the constant changing nature of it. Believers are disappointed in their church leaders' decisions. Families are coming to our valley to flee the fires in California. Racial strife is high and society feels on edge, doesn't it? And I haven't even mentioned the election in November. You know, as I think about all this, only, only you know what this land of affliction is doing to you personally. Uh, I, I'm not even really sure your spouse or your parents or your kids know specifically what this is weighing on you. Uh, Proverbs 14, 10 says, only the heart knows its own bitterness. So friends, please know uh, that each one of us 
can honestly cry out with Joseph right now, I am in the land of my affliction. But friends, know that Joseph also knew, he also believed that God would never really truly abandon him and that he hadn't abandoned him. Uh, Joseph knew that like the dark soil, right, of affliction is also the tilled ground in which new life can spring forth, right? So in keeping with like the metaphor of bearing fruit in the land of affliction, uh, we're calling it the Ephraim co-op, right? Because a co-op is sort of an agricultural idea. And it's basically that we have a cooperative goal of bearing fruit unto the Lord in this land of affliction. Uh, so I really encourage you as your pastor to consider joining the co-op, right? Experience the presence of God in daily word and in prayer alongside your church community. So here are seven things you need to know. I know you've got a lot of questions here. Seven things you need to know. I'll try to run through them fairly quickly. Also, you don't really need to worry about taking notes because all of this information is gonna be in the beautiful Bell Ringer magazine that we send out later this week. Just try to immerse yourself in the idea, if you will. All right, so here's the first thing of seven you need to know. Number one, it's structured, right? Uh, you could say it has a liturgy, but let's just say it has a format, right? It's structured. So each weekday, Monday through Friday, you'll get a brief call and response from scripture, right? So, uh, you know, one week it'll say, you know, and God saw Moses and he called out Moses, Moses. And the response from Moses is, here I am, Lord. Right, so you'll start off, you'll open it up and it'll say, uh, have this brief passage, God's gonna call you and you are supposed to echo along with the saints, here I am. Uh, you know, in Isaiah six, uh, the Lord says, who, who will go for us? And what does Isaiah say? Here I am. So that's how he wants you to start your daily private worship. Here I am, Lord, here I am, right? Then there'll be a time of surrender where you will uh, acknowledge before the Lord everything that's weighing on you right now, your hopes and fears, your concerns and your longings. You'll say, here I am, Lord, here's what I'm carrying today, right? Then we'll give you a short invocation, which is just a short prayer. And I, I'm choosing to pull them from the church fathers because uh, they're the pastors of the early church. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in the ancient paths. And I want us to be tied to not just the church of today, but the historic church. So it'll be a short prayer to help you uh, invoke the name of the Lord. We're gonna have a song of reflection. You can listen to the song right then and there, or you can listen to it throughout the week. Uh, the cool thing is, is that song is then gonna be played on Sunday morning at corporate worship. So hopefully each day you're working towards and improving your experience of corporate worship. And then we will give you very simply an Old Testament chapter, a Psalm, and a New Testament chapter. And then we'll basically close with the Acts prayer method. We'll help you adore God, confess your sins, give thanks for the gospel, and then ask God to supply what you need to get through today. And then I can't help myself. I gotta finish with a benediction, a blessing, not from me, but from God who loves you. All right, so here's what you need to know. Some of these elements will change by the week. So like the song is gonna stay the same all week long, but other things are gonna change daily, like the scripture passages, right? So some of those things are meant to sort of help you keep working the same ground, and then some of them are gonna change every day. Right, so that's the basic structure. Right? The second thing you need to know is that it's daily manna and it don't keep overnight, all right? So if you know the story of the Exodus and you know, Exodus 16, right? Uh, we know that the manna, the daily food of God's people was only meant to be eaten that day 
Because if the people tried to store it up, what would happen to it? It would get all gross and filthy. The only day you could actually keep the manna stored over was right before Sabbath, so you didn't have to pick it up on Sabbath. But sort of the work week, right, you were only supposed to take manna for that day. Remember how God has woven us in a certain way so that we have a cycle of work and rest? And then he even made the week to operate so that we work and then have a day of rest? Well, God was teaching his people, just like he needs to teach you and me, to have a more healthy rhythm of life, right? To catch a new rhythm of everyday life, right? And so what he said is, this is all the food you need today. Trust me that I will provide everything that you need. I will supply your needs for tomorrow. I mean, what does Jesus say? He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries on its own, or today has enough worries on its own. Right? So, uh, you know, the goal of the co-op, right, is not to get you through the Bible. It's to teach you how to catch that rhythm of everyday discipleship. Uh, So with that, this may sound kind of strange, but there will be no backlog of publications. Uh, We're not going to keep a record of previous days or weeks because we uh, want to help people understand that there is no making up time with God. Uh, there, There is no way of going back because the goal is to connect with God today, and he has manna for today. And if you, if you miss the co-op, that's fine. You just missed a day, possibly, to connect with God, right? So the goal is not to sort of give you a bunch of check marks so that you can keep track of yourself. The goal is to help you catch a rhythm. And if you don't, you know, do it one day, well, no one's keeping track. No one's watching you. But use that as motivation to reach out today. His mercies were new this morning when you woke up. There is manna for you today, today, if you pick it up. That's the rhythm we want you to hit. All right, number three, right? So it's structured, it's daily. We don't, we're not gonna keep a back record of it. Uh, number three, it's easy to access. So obviously we wanna make this easy for you to access. So uh, what we found is actually today, a majority of people, young and old, are pretty tech savvy, you know? I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of elderly people on Facebook these days. Have you noticed that? I found a lot of people have gotten smartphones these days. You are more tech savvy than you give yourself credit for. So the way we are gonna encourage you to primarily access this is gonna be on our new church app. Uh, It's not totally finished right now, but by September 14th when we launch, it's gonna be beautiful and ready. If you haven't already, we would encourage you to download the church app. If you have an old church app, delete it. It's no good. Download the new church app and the uh, daily publication will be available there. And of course, it'll be on our website if you want it on the website, if you don't have a smartphone. And of course, if you don't have uh, technology, we will have physical printouts. Uh, if, you, if you want a physical printout, you know, all you need to do is call the church office or email us and we will send them to you and make sure that you have a copy of this. But uh, we want to strongly encourage you to consider downloading the app and accessing, accessing it that way. Um, anyone here ever use their screen time? Notice anyone here have a smartphone where it tells you how many hours a day? You know, you don't look at it because it's too dang depressing, right? You're like, 18 hours on my phone. How is that possible, right? Well, we want to make this accessible, right? So use some of your time looking at your phone, right, to look at the Ephraim co-op, right? All right, number four, it ties into the life of our church. And I've already kind of explained some of these things, right? So our hope is that the co-op is different than just an individual daily devotional because we want to do it together as a community of God's people. And it's not going to have insights from me. It's simply going to be prayers 
in Scripture, right? And we want to read together and pray together individually, but also as a church. And so we thought of some ways to make it more of an opportunity to connect with one another. So, for instance, every day at noon, Monday through Friday, a different staff person or a church person or maybe an elder is going to get on Facebook Live. So just go to our church's Facebook page. And every day at noon for maybe about five or ten minutes, someone will say, Hey, I did the Ephraim co-op this morning. This is what Genesis 20 meant to me. Uh, this is how I'm using it. I'm not going through everything, but I pick this part and this part, and it meets me where I need it to meet me, right? So every day, if you want to hear from other people in our church, how they're using it, or maybe you have a question about a passage, just log into Facebook, 10 minutes, right? Every day, a new rhythm. Uh, then, as I already said, the song that's there each week is actually going to tie in to corporate worship. Remember that beautiful song that Emily just sang a few minutes ago, His Eyes on the Sparrow? Well, what's going to happen now is maybe Monday through Friday, you'll be learning a new song and it's going to be an important song and we're going to pick them intentionally so that on Sunday morning, you've actually been listening to it throughout the week, right? It's going to tie your private worship to your corporate worship, right? And of course, we're asking all the Bible studies and small groups and all the ministries of our church that are meeting and praise God that they're meeting, but we're going to ask them, well, find a way to fit the Ephraim co-op into your ministry in a way that makes sense, right? Just Find some small way. If there's any way that it makes sense, put it in there. And then lastly, we really want this to be an opportunity for the new believers in our church and the new people to find a topic to talk about. You know, we've, we've had, we have like new staff people. Some of you have never even met. And we have new families. We have new faces. Um, how are they supposed to connect to our church when our church body is half gone? Well, hopefully through Facebook and maybe through these small group ministries that are still meeting or online groups that are meeting, this will be a topic of discussion for them where new people can have meaningful discussions about faith, right? I mean, technology is dangerous, right? Because it, it disconnects us from our physical place and a physical community. So, you know, let's turn it around and use technology to connect us to our physical people and our physical community. All right, number five, uh, its graphic is full of meaning. Uh, it's down there in the bottom corner. Uh, TJ Todd, our new tech director, whom some of you have not met, he made a cool graphic. I'm not gonna give it away. Just uh, when you see it, try to focus in on it. There's a lot of meaning embedded within it. It's got a lot of Easter eggs in it. All right, number six. Uh, all right, brace yourself, you guys. This is gonna be tough. This is gonna be tough. It's gonna involve journaling. It's gonna involve the ministry of reading and writing. And I know that for probably the majority of us, we've never had anything like a prayer journal or even just a normal journal. <laughs> but uh, friends, uh, reading and writing have been a part of the Christian and the godly experience for thousands of years. Uh, you know, there's this old Soviet joke, you know, about when the Soviets took over, you know, uh, their joke would go like this, you know, it's like the future is certain. What is constantly changing is the past, right? <laughs> You know, in like 1984, they say, if you want to destroy a people, destroy their past, right? I mean, if you want to really struggle in your Christian life, divorce yourself from the thousands of years of people who have been indwelled by God's spirit walking with the Lord. I mean, think about King David. King David, right? That dude smoked some bad guys in his life. He cut the head off a giant. That dude was willing to smoke some bad guys and go into battle. And that guy also made a, a decent amount of his life writing down poetry and crying out to God honestly about his emotions, saying, why do I call that and you do not respond? Uh, David, the warrior poet, 
right, was able to be very, very manly and kill a bunch of bad guys and also find time to journal, <laughs> to write out what was weighing on him, what his hopes were, what his fears were, what his concerns were, and what his real longings were, right? So to help you, oh, don't forget, you know, a dull pencil is better than what? I forgot that saying, I didn't write it down. Oh, I did. It says a dull pencil is better than the sharpest mind. Right, so to help you with your journaling, because I know that's gonna be a hard thing to do, and you don't need to write a novel, you just need to write down a couple of notes as you're going through it. Uh, we, uh, Joy Taylor has ordered these beautiful custom uh, Ephraim co-op journals. There's one for you. Uh, we hope you come by the church office starting on Tuesday and come pick it up. Uh, we're gonna have them out for the next few Sundays here at church. So if you come in person, you can just grab one. Uh, if you can't come by the office and you don't come to corporate worship, email us and we, will, we would happily bring it by your home or mail it to you. We want you to connect with God and we want you to have a meaningful devotional time. Uh, so uh, hopefully you're getting excited already on your journal. And I've got some, I'm gonna have some tips on how to do that really well if you ever wanna log in on Facebook Live, I'll share with you how I use our journal and have for years. All right, the last, the seventh thing you need to know, I'm done with my seven things, right? The last thing you need to know is that it launches soon. You have two weeks, really 15 days. It's gonna launch on September 14th. You know, so we hope you consider over the next couple of weeks, you know, the next few days, of what it means to train your heart and your mind to train yourself for godliness, right? Remember, Paul tells Timothy, train yourself. It means exercise, right? You have a moment in the eye of the storm to prepare for the back end. So use this time to train yourself for new practices, new habits of grace. So, um, you know, you may be asking yourself, you know, why should I? I know that's for a lot of, why should I, right? I know we live in a culture that, you know, really values individualism and, and you know, independent thinking. And I, I, I love that too, uh, so you may be asking yourself, well, why should I? Well, you know, if you go back to that image, right? I think you and I were, were in that storm, right? Um, I think Joseph would describe it as you and I, we are in the land of affliction, right? Uh, Paul tells Timothy, right? We toil and strive toward the end goal so that we would not lose hope in the living God. Uh, friends, you and I, your family, we are in the land of affliction right now, Right? but it's also a season where we can bear fruit, right? Think about the name Ephraim. So let me just sort of finish with this. I don't know if this will make sense. Maybe you've already had brain overload, but just go there. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about Daniel lately. Anyone here feel the odd urge to read Daniel and the prophetic books? I've been reading Daniel and something that struck me about Daniel is that Daniel went through a land of affliction. He went through a very, very difficult time in his life, right? So we know that Daniel was brought to Babylon in exile, right? So talk about the trauma that comes from being pulled from your home and brought to Babylon, right? So he goes through the land of affliction. But then in the middle of Daniel's life, sort of like a hurricane, he actually has this moment where he's highly revered. He actually works his way up to sort of almost the top of the whole kingdom of Babylon. And in Daniel 6, it says that the, the King Darius wants to put him in charge of everything. But then what happens to Daniel? Anyone know? The back end of the storm comes through and the other guys get jealous of his success in the midst of the eye of the storm, his moment of peace. And so what they do is they make a law 
and they write it down and it says anybody who worships anybody but our king for the next 30 days, he's going to get thrown in the lion's den. So what does Daniel do? Well, how does Daniel have the spiritual strength to survive that? I mean, I've already been through the land of affliction, God. I already got brought to Babylon, and now, right when things are kind of okay, you're gonna hit me with the back end of a storm and send me into the lion's den? What does Daniel do? Did Daniel slip into the luxuries of life in Babylon when he was in the eye of the storm? What did he do? Well, Daniel 6.10 says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that he was gonna be sent into the den of lions. When he knew that was going to happen, what does he do? He went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. You see, Daniel was prepared for the back end of the storm and he was trusting in his God, the living God, because Daniel had trained himself in a certain rhythm of life, a certain habit of grace since early days that he would pray to his God morning, noon, and night, uh, three times a day, right? So think about our congregation for a second. Um, you know, this is a very meaningful graphic uh, logo to me. Think about Jacksonville Presbyterian Church. We've been around for 160 years. Pretty amazing. What a testament to God's faithfulness despite ourselves, right? <laughs> but think about our congregation for a second. If, you've ever, if you haven't noticed our logo, uh, in the heart of the logo is the bell, right? Because that bell ties us to our historic church. That's the bell that Cornelius Beekman bought back in the 1880s. Uh, but think about all of the ups and downs that our church has been through. You know, it's been told to me that when Larry was the pastor, it was either grow the church or close it down, right? <laughs> Our church has survived some lands of affliction before. And so I know that our church knows how to rise to a challenge. I know we do. And even more importantly than that, I know where our strength comes from. This is a church that knows to lean into God's word and lean into prayer. Uh, we, we are gonna survive this storm. I don't have any doubt. Uh, we are going to toil and strive and we're going to bear fruit in the land of affliction because we're not going to set our hope on anything else but the living God. So if you go to 1 Timothy, you know my, my passage for the morning. It says this, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way because it holds promise for this present life and for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of your full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have set our hope on what? The living God. Friends, it's time to train ourselves for godliness. <laughs> we have been through the front end of the storm and I think we are in the eye. But like Daniel, I think we need to develop some new habits of grace so that we can toil and strive in the land of affliction and bear fruit. So what do you say? You want to join the co-op? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you give us daily manna, everything that we need. Father, we have already prayed that you would give us the bread necessary for today, daily bread. Uh, Father, in the midst of this storm, we pray that you would teach us new rhythms of life. Uh, Lord, that it would be uh, enriching to immerse ourselves in your word every day. 
uh, Father, to learn how to pray to you in simple ways. And Lord, we pray that this would be an encouragement for our whole congregation, whether they come in person or they watch online, or even if they're distant from that. Lord, that they would find the co-op. Lord, that they would dive into your word and they would grow. Father, we are in a land of affliction. Lord, we yearn to bear fruit, to give you the praise and the glory. Father, we have received your grace. Father, would our lives be a response to that? Lord, be with our church in every church in our valley. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.